You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Welcome to Tuesday, Tuesday at 2.06 p.m. It is January now, believe it or not. How'd that happen? 2023. I thought it was Y2K yesterday. Uh, and here we are, right here in the Right Side Studios. Boomer's on the board. Hey, bud. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. <laughs> 2023. 2023, and the gremlins are in your system over there right now fighting you, aren't they? Uh, they are. I'm just trying to, you know, work them all out, these, <laughs> these 2023 gremlins. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, keep it going, bud. Hey, uh, listen, we got a great show lined up for you, and, and the news is full. The news is developing even as we speak. Uh, we're going to spend some time talking about what's happening in D.C. So right now, the 118th Congress is not really fully seated. They're there for a ceremonial vote, ceremonial, for an actual official vote as to the selection of the next Speaker of the House. And uh, McCarthy already lost once. We'll talk about it in detail, but I'm going to tell you right now, they're in the middle of the second vote of the day, and he's already lost again. Um, so we'll see how this plays out. But that's going to be number one uh, in the show later on with a call coming in at 3 o'clock from a friend of mine, Mike Russell, who is a political consultant in the D.C. area, has been working that field for quite a while. He'll call in and give us sort of some, you know, inside the Beltway perspective of what's happening up there and what the agenda would be if the Republicans can uh, actually get this thing to work and set aside uh, their differences and elect a speaker. So that's coming up at 3 o'clock. Mike Russell from D.C., you'll want to hear his discussion. And then I got a triple dipper, so hit it, bud. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right. The Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know. Number one on the board, congressional chess. That's what I'm calling it. They're moving those chess pieces, man. Each part is just kind of being thought through and played out and moving their piece, trying to bring checkmate to bear against the other side. But, well, they had not got there yet. Congressional chess. That's number one in the Triple Dipper, and we'll cover that in detail, I'll give you an idea of why and wherefore, all right? Number two, the water wars. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you may have heard the Biden administration has just kind of quietly introduced a new rule, eh, really an old rule. It was an Obama-era rule that possibly makes, like, ponds and lakes and gullies on farmland considered to be waters of the United States that they can regulate through the EPA. Well, already the farming uh, industry, the, the agricultural business industry, is already having their, their meltdowns, and rightfully so. So we're going to talk about that. What does that mean for us? Water wars, number two on the Triple Dipper. And then number three, trading some blows in the woke wars. So every once in a while, I do adventures in woke world, right? Then sometimes, though, as I'm looking at storylines and I realize that some of these social, cultural stories that are out there indicate clearly that one side is literally smacking back at the other, then it becomes a segment that I call trading blows in the woke wars, and that's what we're doing next. Uh, so that'll be number three on the Triple Dipper. So, yeah, full show for you. Stand by. It's going to be a good one. Um, but let me let me jump over to my comments, and this is going to be completely off topic, all right? This is, this, is, this is one of those stories that, well, I found it, and I thought, no, that can't be real. That, tell me that didn't happen. Oh, it's happening. 
So you, you know the deal. Every once in a while, you find one of those stories that comes along that carries a creep factor. You know, it's, you can't quite put your finger on it, but despite not having the initial words to describe how you feel, that creep factor exists nonetheless. Well, I'm not often at a loss for words. Go figure. And the fact that I was, you know, kind of that way on this next story is more of an indication that I've never run across something like this and therefore had to process it for a minute or three. So by now, you're probably wondering what this creepy story is. Well, here's the deal. According to a new story in the Daily Wire, New York just became the sixth state, number six, to legalize the practice of, wait for it, composting of human remains. Yeah, and Boomer just gave me a look. You heard me right. Apparently, the old dark humor joke about turning into worm dirt when we die is being made into an intentional reality in New York, Washington, Colorado, California, Oregon, and Vermont, states that have become known for some of the most far-out laws on any books. But this one, this one just seems a bit weirder than usual. California Assemblymember Christina Garcia, she's a Democrat, yeah, described the process as, quote, more environmentally friendly than practices such as cremation, adding that, here's her quote, with climate change and sea level rise as very real threats to our environment, this is an alternative method of final disposition that won't contribute emissions into our atmosphere. Oh, God. So apparently the practice became a thing in San Francisco and it spread from there. Go figure. Proponents say that the practice consumes just one-eighth of the energy as cremation or conventional burials. The human composting takes place when the composting staff, which just sounds wrong, puts a deceased body in a box surrounded by wood chips, alfalfa, and straw for a month to enhance what they call change on the molecular level resulting in the formation of nutrient-dense soil. Okay, so if you're flinching like me right now, it's because, yes, that just sounds wrong. Wrong on a variety of levels. But this is what comes from a society that dehumanizes and devalues the worth of individuals. I cannot help but note that the same states that have enacted legislation to accommodate the ability to plant a tree in Mama's remains are the same states that see some of the most ardent pushes for abortion on demand. It's apparent that some of this, you know, some are of the mind that life is for the taking or the forgetting or the disrespecting at the discretion of those who never really valued human life much to begin with. Now, you may be thinking, ah, well, Phil, the dead don't care. Okay, but the living do, or at least they should. And even in death, it's possible to disrespect human life. I mean, we have laws on the books about the desecration of corpses. And lest we forget, it is a historically commonplace thing to fertilize farm fields with manure. And we progress so far down the rabbit hole that we can no longer think twice about relegating the remains of a loved one to the same level as nitrogen-rich manure. So the article from Daily Wire that gave me this story the first time it quotes a pastor, Josh Bice, of the Praise Mill Baptist Church and the president of a group called G3 Ministries. He says this, that human composting is in complete contradiction to Judeo-Christian values that are commonly held over time. And in his words, and here's the quote, pantheists, pantheists have argued that everything can be reduced to matter, that God is everything and everything is God, and that every existing entity is only one being. And under this view, there's no difference between wood chips and alfalfa or a human body. He says, from the earliest times, the human body has been considered sacred. The rationale is based on what is known as the imago dei, which affirms that God created every person equally in his own image. All right, so go ahead. Take the concepts of abortion on demand, often for the sake of convenience or to absolve one of the fear of the unknowns of life. Add to that the composting of human remains because it saves the environment and lowers the carbon footprint of post-death ceremonies. 
and then lump both of those together with recent movements towards euthanasia. You see, recently in Canada, we find that what is commonly referred to by the acronym MAID, M-A-I-D, or more fully as Medical Assistance in Dying, has expanded tenfold in the past 10 years. Tenfold. The argument has gone beyond the so-called assisted death with dignity and more and more has become assisted death for therapy. Recently, the Voice of American News ran a story that outlines the Canadian government's intent to expand euthanasia to those with mental illness. Can you imagine? Canadian Physicians for Life issued a statement saying that such a practice is an abdication of the government and doctors to offer death as a solution instead of treatment. And it goes on to say, it goes to the very heart of what the physician thinks, the quality of life of the person in front of them, and clearly that's not a decision that should ever have to fall to a doctor. Her point in saying that is that medical professionals should be dedicated to the preservation of life, not the ending of it. But yet, Canadian lawmakers are of the determination that those who are mentally ill and possibly not even to make sound decisions for themselves should be put in a position of being taken out of the inconvenience of those around them by ending them permanently. I kid you not. So in a society that has dehumanized human life, it is easier and easier to move to a place where the most vulnerable in our society, the unborn, the sick, and the infirm, the mentally ill, can just be put out of their misery. And then once they're out of their way, or out of our way, we can turn them into a bag of potting soil and fertilize the raised beds where we grow tomatoes to feed the family. That's just gross. I mean, there was a time when such thoughts and practices were just merely the stuff of science fiction and dystopian movies. I mean, it was pure evil portrayed in such movies like 1973's Soylent Green, where the world watched the movie and recoiled when Charleston Heston's character realized to his shock and horror that what the superfood was that the government was using to feed the masses was really not just food. In the final scenes of the movie, which depicted a society where government had rampant overpopulation, pollution, and global warming, that they had food shortages, they fed the poor through highly processed wafers, which is called Soylent Green. And government-run clinics in the movie were also used for assisted suicide to ease population growth. Sounds far-fetched? Maybe not so much anymore. Got worse at the end of the movie, though, when Heston tried to warn the world by shouting out, Soylent Green is people! It was a shocking ending to a weird and discomforting movie where it's revealed the masses are being fed from the processed human remains. Am I overreacting? You be the judge. But I do know this. What to do with people, actual, living, breathing, soul-filled people, or with their remains once they have passed, it should never be based solely on questions of convenience or finances or logistics or selfish emotion. In my view, the composting of human remains to fertilize a garden is just one more step in the dehumanizing of the human race. Then again, maybe dehumanizing is what was intended all along. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Yeah, weird story. Weird, weird story. Like, beyond weird story. I mean, the idea that you can take Mama down to the composting unit and have them turn her into dirt that you can fertilize your garden with just ranks up there with one of the sickest things I think I've ever heard. It's just like, I don't know, like one step short of cannibalism. But there we are. Abortion on demand, composting of human remains, death of the mental illness through euthanasia. What next? Soylent Green. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Oh, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Uh, so I got uh, the text lines have already blown up. <laughs> By the way, happy birthday to John from Huntsville. Uh, so there's that. Uh, John from Huntsville, I appreciate you. Uh, he texts in on a regular basis. And uh, so, yeah, happy birthday, man. Uh, glad for you. And many, many more, my friend. Um, by the way, he also uh, pointed out that the weather in, 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 and by the way, I think the weather in our entire listening area, which is like North Alabama, uh, from, from like Clanton North, is rough. And I'll tell you right now, we are in a red cell right here at the Right Side Studio right now. So Boomer and I are watching things. If we see something, uh, you know, more difficult than just heavy rains and winds, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. But in the meantime, just keep a weather eye out on the horizon and uh, watch your uh, Watch your, uh, your weather alerts because they are saying this could be a day with some uh, pretty serious inclement weather. So uh, stay, stay tuned. We'll let you know if we see it. Um, also, by the way, uh, John from Huntsville said there is some flooding going on in Huntsville right now. I don't doubt it. So if you've got a way home that usually takes you through some roads that have a tendency to uh, fill up, then just, uh, just make, make, that, uh, make that thought process uh, occur before you leave and not during it. Um, and I've got uh, several texts on the monologue we just said. Um, uh, you know, Ali from Athens points out that some people will think that's their duty to do so, I guess, with uh, the, those type of, of, of folks that uh, go down that road of, uh, of composting humans. Uh, I did have, by the way, one uh, of our text members, Michelle from Huntsville, said that um, it's been going on for a while in several states. And she said she had a friend that used one of those companies in Seattle and they were mortified. Um, yeah, it just... Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate that. And I know it's out there, um, but I'm just learning about it. <laughs> so I'm like, just now freaked out. I'm not freaked out a long time ago. I'm just like, God, this is gross. Uh, let's see what else we got here real quick before I move on. Um, Jeff from Decatur just sent us something. Um, just talking about the votes up there. I'll have to read that in a minute and see what's on it. And then, uh, yeah, Richard from Madison heard my monologue, said I could have gone uh, all year without hearing that. So... <laughs> I get it. I get it. But it's one of those things, too. Like, so, Boomer, I mean, had you ever heard? I saw the look on your face. So, like, Boomer doesn't know my monologue before I start it. Um, no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I say things sometimes that catch him totally off guard. So, had you ever heard of composting of human remains? No, I actually have not. I, I mean, I've heard people, you know, they burn their remains, put them in a vase, and then throw them on the yeah. beach and stuff like. I've heard that. Yeah, like scattering their ashes. Yeah, scattering ashes. Yeah, but I, I, I just, this feels different to me. This is like intentionally turning Mama into a bag of dirt. You can stick a shovel in and just scoop her out into the flower beds. And I just don't see that as being good. Are you gonna put them in vegetable gardens? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean that type of stuff. I mean, yeah, that's... plant a tree. <laughs> plant a tree. Uh, I don't know. It just it just feels disrespectful. Right. Uh, a little a little on the weird side for me, personally. <laughs> I mean, it just is. Just if y'all could see Boomer's face right now, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Do you do you have you on the screen right now, I man? Do, I do not. Because <laughs> my. <laughs> oh yeah, this makes you this makes you want to have a hot dog, doesn't it? Right. No, not really. Not really. No, no, it doesn't. We laugh, but darn. No. Hey, we just got an aloha from our buddy uh, Racing over in Hawaii. Racing, appreciate you. Aloha to you, man. Um, and then uh, we got uh, Brandon from Athens just saying, hey, hey, Brandon. 
<laughs> good, good. Anyway, um, JT from Lacey Springs says, being neutral, embalming began in the U.S. primarily in the 1860s. Prior to this, in a way, it was composting. Yeah, but no, no. When they bury them in a box and they put a marker on the grave or at the very least have a ceremony, I don't know, JT, that's not the same as, hey, we made you some fresh potting soil full of nutrients so you can... You know, fill up your raised beds and grow better tomatoes with mama's remains and occasionally find a tooth in there and stuff. I mean, God, just no. No, thank you. No, not at all. No, no, no. Um, all right. Hey, listen, we got a lot of stuff on for you. And I will tell you this. Uh, it's getting wild up in D.C. right now. For the first time in, re- in, in recent memory, uh, the... Nominee for the Speaker of the House, the one who was expected to walk into the seat, is not gotten it yet. They've already voted twice, and they're poised to take up a third vote. By the way, these are not slow votes. Uh, they started the second vote well before I went on the air. They're doing a full roll call vote uh, with members having to be present and because uh, proxy voting is ending. And, and so we're looking at, you know, right now there is a difficult – I'm looking at uh, Alabama Representative Terry Sewell on the screen right now uh, – among other members of the on the floor. And they're saying McCarthy did not have the votes in the second round. So we'll get into that, and I'll tell you whys and wherefores and what it means. Uh, and how does this work now? What do they do? You may be surprised to find out what happens if they don't get the speaker elected. Um, in fact, I think I see Dale Strong right now, the new congressman uh, from uh, the Huntsville area, uh, on the uh, floor of the House uh, talking to folks. And this is the first day, by the way. This is day one for the freshmen. So you got folks like Dale Strong, who's up there for the very first time. Katie Britt's in the Senate, obviously, uh, but she's up there now for the very first time. Um, so it's a, it's a he- kind of a heady day for the new ones. Uh, they get a chance to take their families up there, sort of go on a tour, have their photo made being sworn in, and, uh, and then this happens. Then the train wreck. Ain't nobody getting out the station yet. We'll tell you more <laughs> when we get back. Number one of the Triple Dipper. Congressional chess. That's where we are. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. And I'm telling you, this show is covering some ground. We've got uh, all the way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi thrown in just for good measure. Sitting here in the 
Right Side Studios using my brand new microphone that the boomer got me. Thank you, bro. You're welcome. Still sounds, liking it. Sounds good. I'm, I'm I just, you know, like I said, makes me sound silky smooth. <laughs> makes my voice just, 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 just sexy. All right. Uh, move on, Phil. Move on. Move on quickly. All right. So, hey, here's the deal. We're in number one of the Triple Dipper. Congressional chess, because that's what it is. There's some brinksmanship right now going on. There are an on, There's an ongoing battle among some of the more conservative members of the GOP who, who by and large, uh, I think much of the base sees their positions as being the ones they want. And so here's the thing. First of all, let me just make sure it's, you, you hear me say this. I think eventually McCarthy's going to wind up getting it. I, I do. But I don't disagree with the fight they're having right now. And here's why. I mean, first of all, look at other governments. You've got like, you know, the, the need to build consensus or coalition governments in places like Israel and Great Britain, where they, where they can't quite get themselves together, so they have to jockey among all the different factions to try and build what they call a coalition government. Very common. Not, not something that happens here very often because we've become such a two-party system. Back in the day when we had more than one party, when the Whig Party was there and the Republicans broke out of the Whig Party. And, you know, you know I don't know if we're going to ever have a three-party system, a true three-party system. But right now we got mainly two. And within the two, you're going to wind up having factions. That's why you've got the Democrats. Uh, they have the progressive left, the wokists, if you will, uh, who, who guide social culture and, and, and steer it hard to the left. And on the conservative side, you've got people like the Freedom Caucus. And I do not disagree with the fact that we need some rule changes. So what I'm hearing right now, Charlene was texting me a few minutes ago because, man, she's watching this like a hawk right now, too. I'm telling you, my wife is more politically astute than me. But she, she's watching this. She texted me a while ago and said, if you watch Fox News, the majority of the commentary is, oh, these people, they're just trying to jimmy up the works. They're trying to mess things up. If they would get out of the way and let us get business going, we're, we're slowing things down. One day. One day. Now, I will tell you this. There is precedent for it taking longer than a day, and I suspect it's going to take longer than a day today. I don't, susp- I don't think we're going to have a Speaker of the House seated today. So, you know, if that worries you, brace yourselves because it's coming. I don't think they'll get there today. And I, and I almost think they can't get there today, today uh, for the Freedom Caucus to be seen as taking a stand, really, at all. I think they're going to have to recess this evening. McCarthy's going to have to make phone calls, hold meetings, talk to people, try to soothe some, some feelings. And, and, and what I just heard a while ago, uh, Representative Chip Roy of Texas, who I, I think the world of Chip Roy. I mean, that guy is a, I mean, a, he's a true believer, man, I'm going to tell you right now, and he is a firebrand. And when he gets on the floor, he'll give some speeches that will light people up. And Chip Roy just came on Fox News a while ago. He was one of those when they began to sort of break the mold on getting rid of the people who are just getting in the way. And they had Chip Roy on. He laid it out real clear. He said, look, here's, what, here's the deal. Here's what we're doing. We want the rules to change. He said, there should not be a speaker who is unremovable. We've got to have the ability to say, you're doing a horrible job. We want to recall you. And so they want the ability then to have this, the opportunity to go into uh, a session and have as long as it's – and right now what McCarthy has offered is, all right, you got to have at least five people. Well, right now it's been like upwards of 50 people, and you had – and according to Nancy Pelosi's rule, you had to have a, a member of leadership, which wasn't going to happen, make the motion. Not going to happen. The rank and file wants to know they have some clout on the floor because their people sent them there to have some clout on the floor. Does not bother me a bit. So if McCarthy's doing a good job, he won't have issues. 
And if McCarthy's doing a good job, he won't have to worry about five members getting together and making a motion uh, to uh, unseat the Speaker of the House. Um, and I believe it's called a, a motion to vacate the chair is the official name for it. That's how we got rid of John Boehner. Well, after John Boehner went through that, then, you know, we got Paul Ryan, who was kind of tepid. And then Paul Ryan, after that, we got Nancy Pelosi, who then changed the rules to benefit her and make herself immovable. Well, we, we can't have that. So the first thing they're asking for right now, and he made it very clear, Chip Roy did, what they're asking for is the opportunity to say the rank and file can make a motion, just a motion, call it for a vote. And if the motion prevails, new speaker. If the motion doesn't prevail, back to the regular order of business. Doesn't seem that drastic. Now, I, I do agree there needs to be some number of co-sponsors, okay? You can't just have one person every day going up there and trying to bring a motion. I think that would be too much. But I don't see a problem with saying that X number of members, not just leadership, not just those who have committee chairmanships, but rank-and-file members can get together and go, you know what? He or she is doing a horrible job. Why do we put up with this? They're, they're, not, they're not defending our interests. They're not representing our constituency. They're not doing anything conservative, and so we're going to make a motion to vacate the chair. That's first. Number two, McCarthy has been floating the rules changes to get away from things that Pelosi's been doing, like proxy voting. Did you know upwards of 200 members of Congress, when they voted for that $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill, up to 200 members were not even there. They called their vote in because they were already home for Christmas. Now, I got news. I understand remote work, but that's not remote work. That's lazy. That's people who got elected to do a job who it felt better for them to be at home and just make the phone call because, I don't know, you know, COVID. <laughs> Stop. And they've stopped doing Zoom hearings. They're, gonna not, they're not going to do Zoom hearings anymore because, you know what? The pandemic is behind us. Life gets back to normal. The people's business deserves the in-person in, in representation that you got elected to bring to bear. Okay, all these things are happening. McCarthy needs 218 votes. Well, he's only got 222 Republicans, so he can't lose more than four. Um, well, they thought he was going to lose five. Well, he lost 19. 19. So the man can't get 19, which is, let's see, how many... How many, we have 222, remember you got a calculator? Hang on a second, I'm going I'm I'm to do round numbers. 222, what percentage is 19 of 222? Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's roughly 9% in my head. I just, I just did a, a round figure uh, run, but I think that's like 9% of the Republican caucus. So, yeah, um, we'll see what Boomer comes up with. I think that's right. Anyway, that's a, that's a healthy chunk. I mean, at first you go 19 out of 487 members. No, 19 out of 222. So that's like 8 or 9% of his caucus is not supporting him right now. So how long can this go, Phil? Well, redstate.com. Redstate.com talk about this chess game that we're in. And by the way, I had somebody call this the GOP's mech problems. We got mech problems. McCarthy, McConnell, McDaniel. Ah, I <laughs> see what we did there. Uh, the time has finally come for Nancy Pelosi to hand over the speaker's gavel, says Red State, and to be relegated to the Democrats' backbench of normal rank-and-file members. But at precisely noon local time, the 118th Congress will convene. They did. Republicans will officially take over. They did. 
with a very slim 222 to 212 majority. That's true. Uh, one Virginia seat remains opening. Uh, a Democrat passed away recently, so that seat's still open. Um, Kevin McCarthy, Red State points out, has been thought to be a shoe-in for Speaker at one point. He's now taking hits. He needs 218. He doesn't have it. He has, he has less than that. He has 199. How about that? Um, so, wow. Um, the entire chamber has to gather to elect. And here's the way this works. The clerk of the court, where's that story I've got that talks about this? The clerk of the court presides. And the clerk of the court is, is not elected official. She's a civilian. She's, she's the, 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 the member appointed to preside. And she presides, oh, same story, red state. The clerk of the house, I said clerk of the court, clerk of the house, Cheryl Johnson, will call the house to order. She presides over the proceedings until a new speaker is elected. She's the one you see on the TV calling the roll. And as she's calling the roll, she continues to preside until we get a speaker. In the year 1859, it took 133 votes all the way into February before they were able to seat a speaker because of a similar kerfuffle they had back then. So this is not unprecedented. This has never not happened before. Thank you, John from Lexington. It says 8.6%. Darn, booms. Oh, you got it too. You just pulled it up. Boomer's, Boomer's <laughs> waiting for me to pause and take a breath and he can tell me. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm pretty proud of myself. I said between 8 and 9%. That's pretty darn good. That was good. That was just in my head. Like the Rain Man. Five, five minutes to Wapner. Five minutes to Wapner. Do you remember that movie, Rain Man? Oh, yeah. Okay. Rain Man. All right. I know that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, listen, it's an issue. It's an issue that's going to get resolved. We're going to wind up having a speaker, um, and it'll probably wind up being McCarthy. But McCarthy, the Freedom Caucus, is holding the line right now because they say that they have not been given adequate opportunity to literally represent their constituencies on the floor. And they want some things, too, like, you know, how about before you bring a $1.7 trillion, 4,150-page omnibus spending bill, how about you give us, mm, I don't know, a couple of days to read it? Nancy Pelosi jammed that thing through in the first day it came from the Senate and then got out of town for Christmas. Unreal. Well, I don't think anything the Freedom Caucus is asking for is crazy. Now, there are them, there are those who are like, we got to get on to the people's business. It's day one, dude. Day one. Day one. And does it look funny to others? Maybe. But I take heart in knowing that we have some people up there who are willing to go to bat. And I will say this. Whereas I know Congressman Mike Rogers, and he's a nice guy, uh, he apparently stepped out of line this morning, at least in the eyes of the Freedom Caucus. Chip Roy said, yeah, you know, things were looking a little better this morning until Congressman Mike Rogers of Alabama decided to threaten us. And, and, of course, you know, the Fox News commentator says, uh, threaten you. Can, you. can you tell us what they were? Yeah, he said he told us he was going to make sure that we lost all of our committee positions if we didn't get on board with his what he called coronation of McCarthy. So we all went and voted no. <laughs> uh, how about that? Thank you, Congressman Rogers, for uh, helping to fan the flames of uh, the congressional chess we have going on. Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. I'm going to keep this going for a little bit, and then top of the hour, you're going to want to stay tuned. A friend of mine, Mike Russell from D.C., who's been doing political consultancy up there for quite a while, he'll be here to give us sort of the lay of the land. And assuming we get a speaker, which we will, we'll get to the point that we know what their agenda is and how much they're going to get done. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Um, so in this whole situation of what's going on up in, uh, in D.C., up in the Swampland, I will tell you this. Uh, you heard me mention in terms of Alabama's connections that um, Congressman Mike Rogers, uh, who is, you know, uh, he's a good guy. He's, he's scheduled to be the uh, chair of armed services, and, and that's an important position for Alabama. He's also, um, he's also a conservative slash moderate. All right. He's what I would call one of the calmer you know, in terms of uh, his conservatism, uh, he, he's, he's really a moderate. And Robert Adderholt, a uh, great guy. Uh, I like uh, Congressman Adderholt uh, myself, uh, personally. Um, he's not known for being a firebrand. Uh, anyway, Gary Palmer, founder of the Alabama Policy Institute, uh, long held the position as being, you know, one of the more conservative members of the political scene in Alabama. Um, and uh, Dale Strong, all four of them have come out and said they are voting for McCarthy, and they have. Uh, and then Mike Rogers also apparently made the comment that he was going to see what he could do to uh, have these members of the Freedom Caucus stripped of their committee positions if they didn't get on board with McCarthy. Well, that's the wrong song. And this is, by the way, they're exercising their rights. And they, you know, it, it's, it's truly, it's early in the negotiations. You might say, well, Phil, it's, it's, it's late. Nah, listen, they're going to wind up voting on this for a bit. And, and, and don't, don't fret over it. Uh, this is the right, this is government. This is what's supposed to happen. Just to be honest with you, this is what's supposed to happen. If McCarthy had gotten all the votes he needed in caucus two or three months ago, there'd be no leverage to get some conservative um, policy and rules changes in place to make things better than what they've been. So I am not sweating this right now. Um, but, oh, I mentioned a minute ago, I was, I was talking about the, uh, the Alabama delegation. So, uh, of course, Terry Sewell is our, our sole Democrat. She didn't. She's not voting for it. She's voting for Hakeem Jeffries. They're trying to get um, – and by the way, Hakeem Jeffries actually got more votes than uh, McCarthy did. That's not good. Um, so, yeah, right now I'm looking at the most recent vote on the second one. Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, got 212. McCarthy got 203. And then, believe it or not, Representative Jordan – got 19. So if you're not familiar, what happened was Representative Jim Jordan, who I really like, by the way, uh, just a solid conservative dude. Um, Representative Jim Jordan is, is poised to be the chair of House Judiciary. That's one of the ones that will oversee the major investigations of things like the Hunter Biden laptop and what happened to the pullout from Afghanistan and you know, different, different things like, you know, our relationship to China tied together with Wuhan and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, Jim Jordan has been openly, and even though he's a member of the Freedom Caucus, has been openly saying, yeah, I'm going to want to support McCarthy because he wants the position of, of House Judiciary Chair. That's where he wants to be. Well, Representative Matt Gates went to the floor after Jim Jordan had personally spoken to nominate um, Kevin McCarthy. Matt Gates went to the floor and nominated Jim Jordan himself. And his statement was, maybe we need somebody who doesn't want to be the speaker. That's interesting. Well, Alabama's Barry Moore said that he's working with the Freedom Caucus, that he is not uh, on board yet with um, Kevin McCarthy. I don't know where he broke out in the vote. I've not seen a by-name vote. But what we're looking at right now is, uh, unlike as many other delegation members, says a story on 1819 News dated today. Representative Barry Moore of Enterprise, Alabama, told 1819 News that he's working with the Freedom Caucus to negotiate for the rule changes. In his words, quote, once these negotiations are complete, we will elect a speaker and get to work fighting the Biden administration's radical policies. Um, 
I'm watching right now on the floor of the House as McCarthy is meeting with a number of members. I can't tell who all they are, uh, but you can tell it's an animated conversation. And apparently their caucus meeting has gotten pretty light, but it should. It should. I, I don't mind there being internal fusses as long as they eventually work down to the point that they get there. And they're going to get there. Uh, if, 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 if two weeks from now I'm still, I'm still doing this story with you, then I'll be concerned. But right now, I, am, I, am, I would be more concerned if the Freedom Caucus capitulated without the rule changes when they have the leverage to get it. Because right now, McCarthy needs their votes. Had we had a, you know, I hate the fact that we didn't have the Republican wave, but if we had had a Republican wave, the Freedom Caucus would have less leverage. Right now, though, because we have a slim majority, he needs the Freedom Caucus to be on board, and that means they have the leverage to say, okay, you need us, here's what we want. 19 of their members are right now standing in solidarity saying, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this until you give us some things that tell us that you're willing to be different than what we've been seeing from the establishment. That's what they want. They don't want the establishment just to keep same old, same old rocking on down the road. Um, hmm, wow. Uh, I got a list here of the things the Freedom Caucus wants. Uh, well, first of all, there's some things that are going to be gone anyway. Like, did you know that they still have pandemic rules in the House of Representatives? Aside from the proxy vote, I know Boomer's got his hands in the air right now. <laughs> really? Uh, just yeah. Uh, what would you imagine, Booms? I mean, uh, so if I if I name some things, what would you think would be on the pandemic rules in the House? I don't know. Wash your hands. <laughs> no, 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 they still got it. Where that literally uh, representatives and staff on the floor were having to wear masks. Whoa. Yeah, and and they're doing away with that. And, uh, yeah, finally, Man. they're doing away with that kind of thing. I mean, used to, for a while there, Boomer, it was ridiculous. Like, you go into the rotunda that is between the House and the Senate sides of the Capitol building. Yeah. You go into the rotunda, and magically, you didn't have to wear a mask anymore when you got to the Senate side. Oh. Because apparently, there was no contagion on the Senate side. There was no, there was no COVID on the Senate side. There you go. Ain't no COVID. Yeah. This, Just this, come on over here, guys. It stops at the House. <laughs> Those nasty House people. All right, listen, we're going to come right back. My friend Mike Russell from D.C. will be on the phone with us. He's been in political consulting for quite a while. We'll get his thoughts on what's happening up there and where we're headed next. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio solid conservative and just plain right (laughs) 
Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all of the issues in our number two. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, uh, so here we are. We're in number one of today's Triple Dipper. I'm calling it Congressional Chess Play. Uh, and uh, the, the, the whole situation up in D.C. is not entirely unexpected, all right? What was, a, what was unexpected was the fact that the margin was bigger than anticipated. Uh, so two votes in a row now. Uh, McCarthy has, uh, uh, has had 19 of his caucus members vote against him. 19. We knew there were five going in. Apparently there were some that held their cards close to the chest. 19 have now said no. As we, as we speak right now, uh, Representative Steve Scalise, you may recall he's the one that was shot in the uh, softball uh, uh, practice uh, up in D.C., Representative Steve Calise just gave an impassioned speech on the floor. I can't tell you the content because I had the volume turned down here in the studio, but my uh, understanding was he was making an impassioned plea to uh, vote for Kevin McCarthy uh, as speaker. All right, listen, I've got a friend named Mike Russell. Mike has uh, been a longtime political operative and analyst based just out of Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia. Uh, he's been up there in the D.C. area working in politics, public policy, media, public relations, all of that since like 1998. And prior to that, during the 94 and 96 election years, uh, Mike worked hard to help evangelical Christians and other people of faith become more involved in politics. Uh, Also spent a lot of years himself as a broadcast journalist in both radio and television in Virginia. So without further ado, let me go to the phones and bring in my friend Mike Russell. Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, Phil. Good to have you here. Hey, thank you, bud. Good to be with you. Appreciate you uh, making some time for us today. So um, listen, I, I guess... At a glance, give me your first blush on going to the third vote for Speaker of the House in one day. <laughs> well, this is, it's amazing, uh, the machinations of uh, internal party politics, and this isn't really exclusive to the Republicans. The, the Democrats have their internal party fights as well. Um, but this is unusual for, uh, for this to happen, and it's been, you know, a, a century or more since we've had uh, multiple ballots have to be cast uh, for um, m- multiple votes have to be cast for uh, House uh, Speaker, and um, McCarthy's uh, supporters are are now starting to. Uh, I think two things are happening. Um, you're going to see possibly some of his less enthusiastic support start to peel off uh, with additional votes. Um, but his ardent supporters have uh, been telling the press here in D.C. that they, you know, if it takes 12 votes, they'll do it to support him. So we're not done with this yet, not by a long ways. Um, but I just get the sense that uh, the enthusiasm and the uh, and the backing for him is perhaps starting to wane. I might be completely wrong, but that's my gut. That's that's interesting. You know, and, and by the way, uh, apparently in 1851, you were mentioning over a century, and that's, that's it, 1851, it took 133 votes to get to uh, a speaker. It went way, way into February. Um, so not yeah. entirely unprecedented, but we don't want to see that happen, but, but still. Uh, no. <laughs> no, because, you know, Congress has a job to do. And despite yeah. the fact that most Americans uh, look at Congress as, as not getting a whole lot done, you want your leadership in place. There is a GOP agenda that needs to be worked on, um, you know, and, and the Republicans have the majority of the House of Representatives. It's a slim majority, but a majority nonetheless. And so 
you know, they they need to get their act together and uh, and and uh, pick a a speaker. Um, Scalise is uh, minority whip right or majority whip right now. And, um, you know, his, his name has been bandied about as a possible compromise candidate. If, oh, yeah. If McCarthy just can't get the votes, um, then they may look to Scalise, who's serving as the number two person in the House, as the majority whip. Um, that's a very important job. That's the person who basically, you know, gets all the votes tallied so leadership knows how all Republicans are voting on a specific piece of legislation. And it's a very responsible job. Scalise is... Uh, is an effective leader in that role, and you know he he might be floated as a as a compromise candidate. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think anything could happen right now. I, I I do believe they're going to wind up sticking with McCarthy as the lead candidate. He has enough votes, I think, to carry that forward. Chip Roy, by the way, from the Freedom Caucus, is making a. I mean, I, all I can see is hands waving in the air, and it's it's a classic Chip Roy speech. Whatever he's saying right now on the floor <laughs> is uh, is is full of fire and brimstone, and. Um, but, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I said this earlier in my show, uh, Mike. I am, I'm not really bothered by this. I mean, do I want to see Republicans get it together? Sure. And I think they will. But I, I'm glad to see that there is some healthy debate and that we're, we're actually watching. There's not been debate in the House for how long now under Pelosi? And, and you know, bills could come up like the 4,150-page <laughs> omnibus spending bill last week before Christmas. She got it in there. She, it was transferred from the Senate, and they voted on it the same day. And and I I like seeing the machinations of debate openly and transparently in the eyes of the public right now, and and we'll see where it goes. But I'm, I'm glad to see something actually being debated. I agree with you, Phil. I really do. I've been, and as you said uh, in that great introduction you gave of me, I've been up here since 1998 uh, watching uh, various uh, sides of the aisle engage in in political fights over the years. And I think this is one of the reasons that McCarthy is having problems uh, getting the votes that he needs is because there are a sizable number of House members who just don't think he's going to be tough on deficit spending. The issue of, of really, really trying to seriously cut government spending is becoming has been an issue for many years. But every year it gets worse. And uh, the trillions that were done during COVID and uh, um, you know, the other uh, bills that have been passed, the Deficit Reduction Act and things like that, um, it, it just has House uh, very, very staunch conservatives uh, in the House saying it's time and we need leadership who are really going to faithfully uh, look at this as a top priority. And this is where I think one of the big reasons is McCarthy's not getting a lot of support. Well, he's getting support, but he's not getting the majority um, because there, there are people who are doubtful of, of of him uh, really pushing on on that kind of a uh, an agenda, because you know, look, when you start cutting spending, it affects your constituents. It, it affects people in your state. Yeah, and um, both both sides of the aisle, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, don't want to do that, and so both sides are guilty uh, of of passing legislation where there's just a lot of spending, a lot of pork, and. You know, at the end of the day, are we really getting a, a return on that investment? And that's what a lot of uh, conservatives in the House are scratching their heads about. We keep we keep spending trillions every year, and what are we getting for our for our investment? And, and what sort of legacy of debt are we leaving our young people? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it gets to the point that you look at it and go, okay, does it ever stop? I mean, and, and, and if, we, right. if we don't do something now, then whoever will. Um, well, uh, you know, I look at this, and, and, and I'm not even going to talk about the Senate right now because me personally, I'm, I'm disillusioned with McConnell altogether. I, I, but but I, I, won't, I won't drag you into that conversation. But, but with regards to the House, um, what's the chatter in D.C. right now? Is there dismay over the idea that we don't have a speaker on day one? Or is it is it considered something that's going to work itself out and and it's healthy? What, what's the what's the prevailing chatter among the inside the Beltway people right now? <laughs> well, it depends on who you talk to, Bill. <laughs> and uh, if, if you're if you're a moderate, if you're a moderate left conservative Republican, you're appalled. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> um, you just you know there was actually I read one piece here just before we, I jumped on the air with you all. Um, there was one uh, uh, House Republican, um, more of a liberal uh, Republican, I believe, from Pennsylvania, who said we should actually start to make outreach to see if we could pick up a few Democrats to support McCarthy. Oh, wow. Um, to try to build the numbers that way. Um, so there's, this, this is a roulette wheel spinning, and that marble is going about 180 miles an hour, <laughs> and I have no idea where it's going to land. But um, So the moderates are, are not happy about this at all. Um, and but the conservatives are are giving themselves an attaboy because they they really do feel like it's time to dig in. It's time to start getting uh, uh, really serious about what kind of Republican agenda are we going to look at from a legislative and public policy priority? Are we really going to take steps to reduce deficit spending? Are we really going to take steps to secure the border? Are we really going to take steps to and this nonsense about defunding police departments, um, are, are, are we going to take steps to uh, uh, strengthen education and take the gender politics and the, and the politics out of classrooms? Yeah. These are things that are important to, I, I know a lot of your listeners and, and certainly conservatives across the country, these are, these are important issues. And I think uh, a lot of people are starting to look at this as, we only have so much time left on the clock here before uh, we get to a point where we can't fix it. And uh, I, I believe those are prevailing wins. And so I, I really am, uh, I know the conservative side of the aisle here, the, the true center right is is happy with what's going on. They take your perspective on this, Phil. It's, it's healthy and it's needed, and it might produce a leader that everybody can get behind. Um, so that we can actually see some decent legislation coming out of the House. Now, the real pragmatists in Washington say, who cares? Because without GOP control of the Senate and GOP control of the White House, uh, it doesn't make any difference. Well, that is a ridiculous argument. Yeah, it Secure is. the House, get good, get good leadership in place, because the Democrats have very tough Senate races in 2024. And then we have a good opportunity whether it's uh, DeSantis from Florida or Pompeo or or any number of you know qualified Republican candidates to run for president, you know we have great opportunities in the next couple of election cycles. So to to secure the House and to get a good agenda going and moving forward, uh, this is what a lot of people want want to see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, you know it's it's kind of funny. Um, I don't know if I funny for ha ha, but uh, Alabama's connection to today's uh, House fight right now. Uh, uh, Chip Roy said earlier 
that um, he was asked by one pundit from or, or, or a commentator from um, Fox News, uh, were the negotiations going okay? He goes, yeah, they were going pretty good till Mike Rogers from Alabama decided to threaten us. <laughs> and and, and uh, <laughs> apparently the incoming uh, House Armed Services Committee Chairman, Mike Rogers from Alabama, who I used to be you know, a state senator. I was a part of his delegation uh, for uh, his district. But, um, but Mike apparently decided to threaten them with their committee positions if they don't get on board with what Chip Roy called the coronation of McCarthy. And uh, he said, so we all went and voted no. <laughs> but Well... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, when you start bringing out that hammer, um, it rarely works. Uh, it rarely works to your advantage. No, no kidding. <laughs> Especially when you got somebody that could care less. Um, well, we'll see where it goes, Mike. And hey, listen, I really appreciate your time. We're up against a break right now, so I'm gonna have to go do that. But um, listen, thanks, man. Let's stay in touch. And if something new develops, I may give you a holler back and get your perspective on it. All right. Anytime, Phil. Glad to chat with you and. Uh, Wish you the best in that great state of Alabama. You all are fine, fine folks, and uh, um, you know it. I know so many of you are just kind of scratching your heads, going on, "What's going on in Washington?" And I feel the same way. I'm with you. I feel, <laughs> I you feel your there. pain. Uh, all right, right, brother. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Take uh, care. All right, take care. All right, I ran long on purpose because I, I like hearing the perspective of somebody who's up there who works with the people in D.C. on a daily basis, and it was about what I expected. And it's interesting for me to hear – go ahead and take us to a break, Boomer. It's interesting for me to hear that, uh, you know, like he said, it. if you're a moderate, you're freaking out right now, paraphrase. And uh, if you're a, you know, center-right conservative, uh, you agree. This is healthy. We'll see where it goes. All right, we'll be switching gears in a few minutes. Y'all stand by. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, um, I can tell you right now, the vote count is ongoing for the third vote for Speaker of the House, and McCarthy has already lost for a third time. Uh, and a long way to go to get the final count. Currently, uh, Representative Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, has more votes than McCarthy. Uh, 64, Hakeem Jeffries, 62 just now. Rep. McCarthy already eight voting against uh, um, McCarthy, so he had to have he could have no more than four, I believe. Uh, he got eight against him already, and they're not even halfway through counting the votes. Um, so, I mean, you and I were talking offline, Boomer. Um, I mean, you you've been in charge of some pretty serious organizational efforts before. You you up in Nashville, you were a tour manager for big name country stars. And uh, you also, uh, at, at some point, you pretty much helped run the Country Music Awards uh, uh, yeah. uh, presentation. I got to do a few of those award shows, CMA, CMT. Don't talk ACMs. it down. Just CMAs, <laughs> dude. That's big doings. That's, it was awesome. It was, it was a it was That's a the good Grammys time. of country music right there. It's, it was great. It was All an right. awesome experience. So what happens, though, in those organizational efforts if the pe- person in charge is not respected or followed by the, you know, the, by the crowd? Oh, man. It, it, 
And this happened before. I mean, if someone's not respected and people don't follow them, a lot of things go, goes wrong pretty fast. Yeah, because you guys have a synchronized effort. Once the, once the award show started, it's got to flow, right? It has to flow. And everybody has to be on the same page and the same, uh, you know, and, and respect and follow follow your leaders. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the deal. I think we're looking at right now is the, the machinations of what happens when the members of a large body who have to be able to work together, that the guy that wants to be in charge does not have the respect of the body. Mm. Um, at least, well, I take it back. Maybe not the respect so much as they don't believe he's the one for the job. Uh, and, and that's mm-hmm. that's the rub right now. Yeah, I mean, just just watching that, I mean, just watching what's on TV, I mean, you, you see it. I mean, all these votes coming through. Yeah, the votes coming through and the speeches being made. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and man, there's some – this is – by the way, this is the kind of stuff you look at and it's like, you know – uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's the impassioned speech on the floor of the House. This is the way politics is supposed to be. I am not put off by this. Mm. Uh, I mean, I guess the Country Music Awards would rather not have to debate, you know, openly who's going to be in charge. But nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> but you probably had to deal with some personalities, though, I bet you. Well, definitely personalities. <laughs> we got a lot of personalities uh, uh, in, in that industry. In but. Nashville, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even, even imagine some yeah, – and by the way, someday you're going to have to name names. Someday you're going to write a memoir. <laughs> well, one day I'll name names. Boomer's but... memoir. <laughs> the but prima donnas you had to. Hey, by the way, folks, he's told me a few stories offline. <laughs> the stories Boomer could tell, if we could get him to tell. A few. I have a few, but I don't know if they'll ever be airworthy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe not airworthy. They would be airworthy, they, but they might not be air allowed. That, that's better said. Uh, I, I, I would think there was a non-disclosure you had to sign somewhere. <laughs> maybe a couple. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, listen, we're going to be right back. We're going to switch gears in the Triple Dipper. I'm going to move on to the next topic for a while. We'll keep track of the situation with the, the vote for House Speaker. Uh, but uh, right now, I can just tell you, Jordan, uh, Representative Jordan, has already got 11 votes. That means that there's no way McCarthy can win this time. We'll just see how far it is, whether he picked up any. He lost by 19 on the first two rounds. We're in round number three of voting for the Speaker of the House of Representatives. He's already lost by 11. Oh, I'm sorry, 12. The other, yeah, depending on which screen I look at. And uh, we'll see if it's 19 or more or less. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, coming back up, The Water Wars. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. I mean, we are covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama from way down south of Birmingham to up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Hey, um, 
I, so we're going to switch gears in the Triple Dipper. I will tell you right now, the vote count is still running about neck and neck between McCarthy and Jeffries. So McCarthy, the Republican, at 107, Jeffries at 103, the Democrat, and then 12 votes still currently for Representative Jim Jordan. It remains to be seen whether or not uh, the last losses of 19 each by McCarthy if that'll play out the same. I mean, if he has 19 again, then we know that there's been status quo, no, no, no momentum one way or the other. If he, if he loses by less than 19, that means he peeled off some votes. If he loses by more than 19, that means, you know, he's losing votes and it's getting worse. Uh, we shall see. Uh, third round is currently underway. We'll let you know when the final numbers come out. Hey, you may remember, um, Golly, Boomer, when did I do that thing where I did the spoof on a farmer having the guy from the EPA show up at his farm? Remember that? Oh, I do. It was a while back. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was a couple months ago A couple at least. months, maybe, yeah. uh, I don't know, September, October, probably? Yeah, yeah. at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say at least. At least then. Yeah, so here's the deal. Um, I mean, if Boomer remembers it, that means it's been the last six months. That's how long you've been here. Hey, there we go. That's hey, good... Boomer's been here six months. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, here, here's the thing. I did a spoof one day of what would happen if a farmer suddenly had a guy from the EPA show up and just go all regulatory woke on him and and just start laying out all the things that he had to be doing differently and how he had to stop, you know, farming in this area because there might be a red cockaded woodpecker and, you know, and you got to, you know, do this differently than what you've been doing and you can't irrigate your fields that way. And one moment in the spoof that I, I wrote uh, there was a, a piece where the farmer wanted to know where the irrigation water was coming from, and he said from the retention pond on the far side of the farm, to which the reply was, you will cease and desist that immediately. That's a navigable water of the United States. <laughs> what are you talking about? Your USDA gave me the loan to build that farm. All right, well, the whole thing was designed to be funny, but yet it wasn't funny. Ha-ha, it was real. I mean, everything I took and everything I did in that was taken out of the headlines. And, and I mean, good gosh, go look up the Clean Water Act. Go look up waters of the United States. You will be replete with articles. You will have what I call a vast cornucopia of sources from which to choose. Waters of the United States, depending upon who you look at. I mean, if you're looking at a liberal news site, it's going to be the greatest things in sliced bread. If you're looking at a more conservative uh um, you know, uh, media source, then you're looking at somebody's going to go, wow, this is overreach. Well, I'm in the wow, this is overreach category myself. So the waters of the United States, the WOTUS, I should have I, I named this segment the POTUS WOTUS. <laughs> the, all right, we're changing it. It's the water wars, otherwise known as the POTUS WOTUS. President of the United States got himself some water in the United States. So POTUS WOTUS, here's the deal. Under the Obama administration, there was a massive overreach in the Clean Water Act. How? They simply defined what were protected waters. And they expanded it to the point that you could literally have them come on your farm, your property, wherever, your ranch, uh, you know, just your, your neighborhood house that's on a pond, and and you could you could wind up facing federally mandated fines and regulatory overreach because they claimed it to be a water of the United States, never mind the fact that it might not even be connected to what we know as navigable waters. 
what they're concerned about allegedly is 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 pollution. I, I get it. Okay, you don't want, you know, you don't want the big you know plant uh, dumping chemicals into the water because it flows downstream. And under the law, lawyer Phil talking here for a second. Under the law, everybody has what are known as riparian rights. That means the downstream owners of land that the water crosses over, they have rights, and that what happens upstream can affect the downstream. So the riparian rights of the individuals downstream have to be considered. I get it. You don't want polluted waters. I get it. You don't want the local water plants having to do extra work to purify water drawn from an above-ground source, or for that matter, polluting a a below-ground source. I get it. This was not that. This was down to the point that they could declare that you could no longer, you know, make use of your land where you might have been making use of it for decades. You couldn't have your cattle drinking from the water. You couldn't, you couldn't irrigate your fields. You, couldn't, um, you didn't know what to do. I mean, and that was part of it was the overreach did not have enough specificity. And so the whole waters of the United States argument, it got way out of hand. Trump came in and Trump changed it. Trump came in and set a policy in place that was more beneficial to landowners. And so, yeah, what happened? Well, as soon as that happened, liberals took it to court. Of course they did. Why would they not? Trump was a signature on, the, on it, so of course they took it. God, why would they not? It was Trump. Didn't matter if it made sense. So uh, they took it to court, and a, a liberal judge out in uh, California struck down the Trump-era policy and declared that, you know, you have to consider the navigable waters. The problem is the federal courts have never clearly defined what is constituting a navigable water. So does it have what the law calls a significant nexus? Well, a nexus to what? Is it a nexus to, like, it's on navigable water or is it connected to navigable water? That's, are you on a big inland slough? Do you have a pond which feeds from groundwater, but it's next to a river? I mean, what? this has created a boondoggle. Well, there's a case before the Supreme Court right now. They're going to hear it. We expect the conservative bench of the Supreme Court of the United States to make a decision in what is known as the Sackett case. The Sacketts have been trying to build on their land since, I think, 2008. And they were told, that based upon the fact that there were navigable waters of the United States, that they couldn't build on what they thought they could build on. And they're like, wait a minute, this is our retirement house. And so they sued. Well, the Sacketts are waiting to hear back. In the meantime, the Biden administration tried to rush out in front and get a decision out there before the court could render its decision. So they're trying to regulate and put a definition that the courts are going to come back and say, here's the definition. Hmm, how's this going to work? Why would they do this? Well, I can just tell you right now, it's a thing. So Fox Business has an article uh, dated yesterday. The Biden administration quietly reinstates the overreaching EPA rule, potentially regulating puddles and ditches. I kid you not. It might be intermittent streams that only fill up in the heavy rain. It might be, you know, uh, puddles and places that don't get filled up until the river rises. It might be uh, the retention pond uh, on your farm. 
Uh, agweek.com, that's agriculture, agweek.com, dated December 30th. So we're just like, what, three, four days ago. What is a navigable water and how does it impact farmers and ranchers? I, by the way, I tried to get commentary today from the uh, Alabama Farmers Association. They were eager to speak, but they couldn't be here today. So we may have somebody on later in the week. Farmers and ranchers have been among those concerned, which says, with how the Rules Governing Clean Water Act may impact their operations. Well, the attempts, it says, by federal administrations to define waters of the United States have led to legal wranglings over exactly what is meant by a navigable water as laid out in the Clean Water Act. Does it have to be a water that can be navigated or a water connected to a navigable water? Do prairie potholes and seasonal wetlands that have more tenuous connections to main waterways, do they count? Fair questions. Shouldn't have to be a question, but it is. Well, the EPA announced on this past Friday, right before New Year's holiday, they announced a new Waters of the United States rule. And now numerous farm groups and those in other related industries are announcing disappointment. So American Farm Bureau Association or Federation, the AFBF, they came out and said they are extremely disappointed in the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers. Farmers and ranchers share the goal, they say, of protecting the nation's waterways, but they deserve a rule that doesn't require a team of attorneys or consultants to identify navigable waters on their land. EPA has doubled down on their old significant nexus test, creating a more complicated regulation that will impose a quagmire of regulatory uncertainty. That's the farmers, uh, the, the Farm Bureau. National Association of Wheat Growers. Deeply concerned that the EPA and U.S. Army Corps of Engineers rushed to get this revised definition out prior to the end of the year instead of waiting for the decision in the Sackett case. The National Association of Wheat Growers has stressed that farmers need clarity. You're hearing a, you're hearing a, a theme here, right? National Cattlemen's Beef Association. For too long, it says, farmers and ranchers have dealt with the whiplash of shifting waters of the United States definitions. And today, the Biden administration sought to finalize a WOTUS definition and it creates new uncertainty for farmers, ranchers, and landowners across the nation. It goes on. The Water Advocacy Coalitions, the National Association of State Departments. In fact, I'll tell you what. The National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, I believe bipartisan. You know, we have our Department of Agriculture here in Alabama. But the EPA's latest rule on defining waters of the United States, says the National Association of State Departments of Ag, is a statement of federal overreach that ignores states' authorities to regulate intrastate water quality and the Clean Water Act statutory mandate for cooperative federalism. So what they're saying, basically, not only is it wrong, not only is it difficult, not only does it create problems for farmers, but by golly, it also removes states' rights because the federal government's going to tell you, Mr. State uh, Ag Leader, how to handle that retention pond on the backside of that farm. Well, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come right back. I'm going to get into this a little bit more. And by the way, what does it mean long term? And oh, by the way, what's our own attorney general saying about it? Now we'll talk. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, with more coming to on the third round Speaker of the House vote. We'll talk about it. Be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, uh, sitting here in the studio watching up on the big screens, and the vote has uh, changed. So, in fact, I just noticed that uh, Paul from Athens just texted in the same thing, says uh, somebody strayed. It's now 20 for others. So uh, depending upon which screen you're looking at, uh, the uh, CNN screen, which is on the left side of our screens here, which makes sense, the uh, left side screen says that the others is Representative Jordan. Jim Jordan was nominated by Matt Gates to be the speaker. And then the uh, Fox News just has it calculated as others. Um, so right now, uh, McCarthy is, oh, McCarthy's sucking wind right now, man. He lost more votes. He lost another vote so far. So far, the count on CNN screen is 197 for the Democrat Hakeem Jeffries, 187 for Kevin McCarthy, and 20 now for other or Jim Jordan, depending on how you look at it. Well, what, what that means, oh, see, it's changed again. On the Fox side, it's uh, Jeffries is 201 and McCarthy is 189, but it's still 20 against. Um, so what that basically means is he lost another vote. I don't know who, who peeled off. Or whether we'll see more. Uh, but when you have, uh, was it 467 right now, just doing the math, uh, they've got about 40 or so more votes to count. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, he's not going to be speaker today. We know that. Uh, we'll see it sometime soon, but not today, I'd say. I, don't, I wonder how many votes they'll do in one day. You want to predict, Boomer? You got a, you got a prediction? Ooh. <laughs> uh, hmm, let's see. I would go 10. Ten today? No, not today. I meant like ten in a day. Oh, ten. Oh, ten uh, to get to the chance of the vote for speaker. Yeah, like ten in a day. I mean, is this a donut vote again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we should do that. I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know. In a day, I mean, do they do what five, six times in a day? Yeah, sometimes? I mean, it, it can be as much as they want. They didn't start till midday today, and they're on three. I'm gonna bet they're gonna do four today, and then recess for the evening. Mm. Um. And then uh, we'll see, but I'm 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 with you. I think they're looking at ten total at this point, yeah. um, and and we'll see what kind of concessions they have to give. But uh, right now, he's lost more votes. Now on this, I do have a question. On this, do you yeah. know who does it? Does it list who votes for who? There is a roll call vote somewhere. I don't have access to it at the moment, but mm -hmm. I guarantee I can go online and find it. So that's I mean. The reason I ask is then they can go to during those recesses and things they can go to those people and be like, hey. Oh yeah, it's not a silent vote. That's, this, okay. This they, is this is not a silent vote oh, okay. whatsoever. This is a roll call vote. So they're actually calling that lady right there on the left screen. Yeah. Uh, for the benefit of the uh, the, the the members. Um, so uh, right now the uh, the clerk of the house is calling the roll, and uh, and the and the other members of the uh, house clerk's office are sitting there all doing you know they they kind of have a redundancy in taking the roll call. And they're marking down the votes by name. And, and then, you know, the list gets presented almost immediately. We did that in the uh, state Senate. You know, they call a roll call vote. And then if you were like, wait a minute, who didn't vote with us? You go up there and go, I want a copy of that vote, please. And they'd have to print it out for you right there on the spot. You look over and go, what's wrong with so-and-so? And you get to go over and see so-and-so and try to square some things away. Got you know? it. Okay. Or you might look at it and go, I cannot believe so-and-so just did that. Or, <laughs> but anyway. All right, we'll see what happens, folks. We'll see what happens. Hey, um, so going back to this topic that I'm on right now, the water wars, uh, uh, John from Huntsville says, water wars, is that what you and Boomer start shooting each other with squirt guns? <laughs> no, John, we're talking about the POTUS-WOTUS. So the 
President of the United States got his Waters of the United States rule through EPA uh, at the 11th hour, and everybody's like, whoa. He just did that on December 30th, right before the – of course, he wasn't there. What am I saying? He probably didn't even know what happened. Um, he was too busy vacationing in St. Croix with his family again. The president was. Uh, he was. He was vacationing in St. Croix. Uh, anyway. He goes on so many vacations. I know, dude. Like, if you and I had as many vacations, <laughs> there wouldn't be a radio show. <laughs> no. I mean, he literally has been in office uh, for just short of two years, and I believe the stats that I read were he had already taken long weekends at his beach home something like 52 times, not including the five-day trip they made to, where was that, Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard, and then now they're in St. Croix. It was like, really? Man. Talk about tone deaf. I mean... Anyway, never mind. Moving on. That's a whole other topic. That's like, I could do a whole segment of Triple Dippers on Biden vacations. Biden vacations. Yeah. Is he here today? I don't know. Where is he at this time? I don't know. Although I do know this. For all of his green policy, you know, talk and, and, and bantering and chest thumping, um, he flew down to St. Croix without signing the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill, so they had to fly a copy down there for him to sign it. Separate flight. Separate flight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, okay. because, hey. Because, hey, that's yeah. separate flight. It's fine. Carbon footprint for me, but not for thee. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not going to get into this this WOTUS thing again. <laughs> We're about to hit the break, and I'm going to wind up just pulling this up and then start talking. Uh, Brian from Huntsville just texted in and said, are they going to take beavers to court for building dams? I agree, Brian. You know what, though? Um, I do have a... Uh, a situation near my house where someone has been breaking up beaver dams and another neighbor has been screaming in his phone about calling the Corps of Engineers. <laughs> so probably so, Brian, just saying. Um, Joe Moen's Crossroads said, ha, red cockaded woodpeckers, train like you fight unless there's a tiny timber bird in your training area. That's exactly right. I can't tell you how many times I had training sites in the military that we could not use because somebody had seen a red cockaded woodpecker. And then, and then you, I kid you not. Watch out for that woodpecker. You don't want to hit it. A red cockaded woodpecker. That's important. (laughs) It's not as any woodpecker. It's the red cockaded woodpecker or the darter snail or what was the other? There's some turtle. I forgot what kind of turtle it was. Um, On this whole topic of Speaker of the House, uh, Grandstand from Huntsville says elect Trump for Speaker until 2024. Nah, I don't think that's going to happen, dude. I'm just saying. No, <laughs> I see that as being a really bad precedent to set with a former president who's considered to be a firebrand coming in and being a non-elected speaker of the house. No. <laughs> Paul from Athens says, but vacation is a more important thing. Well, in the Biden administration, it is put a lid on that day. Get on the plane, go to Delaware or St. Croix. All right, we're going to come back and we're going to finish up waters of the United States. The POTUS WOTUS. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios for hour number three, the local, the state, the national. Man, I'm telling you right now, this show covers all the issues and like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Well, real quickly, before I wrap up the POTUS WOTUS, the water wars, uh, I will tell you that it appears that... uh, um, that uh, Kevin McCarthy has lost his third vote and that the House is expected to go to a fourth vote now for Speaker. Um, uh, interesting development. You know, and everybody knows there's eventually going to be a Speaker. But if you want to see, you know, true debate, if you want to see action the way it's supposed to be in Congress, then watch these proceedings. They're live. They're fascinating. And Chip Roy is right now on CNN because everybody wants to know what Chip Roy has to say because he's the guy who's leading the charge uh, from the Freedom Caucus. I say he's the face of it. I mean, there's, there's multiple members, but he's apparently been the one tapped to speak on behalf of those who are holding out. Uh, and he's telling them clearly what he wants, um, what they want. And uh, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, hey, li- listen, let me, let me wrap this up. POTUS WOTUS, the um, – and by the way, we have that interesting, I've changed the subject. Boomer, look out the window, man. Look how the lights are changing. Isn't that weird? So the, the storm has passed, and now we got kind of light shining through the trees, and it's just, it's kind of unusual and has that post-storm look to it. Anyway, okay, there's, total aside, hey, squirrel. <laughs> I'm about to do a dipper. Squirrel. Okay, come back to us, Phil. Um, members of Congress are already speaking out about this uh, POTUS-WOTUS rule. Uh, here's one, U.S. Representative Estes from Kansas. Totally got out there and opposed this whole thing, saying this is wrong. Um, he says, in 2015, President Barack Obama broadened the definitions of the waters of the United States to even include the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, the Mississippi River, and most controversially, wetlands, lakes, and modest rivers or streams. Donald Trump in 2020 implemented a rule excluding streams and wetlands from federal protection. And then, of course, we have Biden reverse Trump with a rule designed to resemble something that was more Obama era. Um, so this is, uh, this is what uh, Representative Estes describes as a detrimental government overreach into ponds and puddles a thousand miles away from the swamp. Well, you know, the problem they've got is they're not clearly defining what waters. In fact, one of the things that's so interesting here is, especially if you're one of those corporate farms, if you're a corporate multi-state farm, operation. And so you're, you're in different parts of the nation. Then according to Fox business, the story that came out yesterday, there are no specific instances defined for adjacent waterways or wetlands to determine whether they'd be protected or not. Instead, the rules state that the impact depends on regional variations in climate landscape and geomorphology. What that basically means is depends on where you are. That's subjective. Let me ask you just a random question, all you right-side ruffians out there. If you're a farm owner, a rancher, 
doesn't matter whether you're row cropping or running cattle. You feel good about just leaving it up to whoever happens to be in charge of your local EPA office? I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, the geomorphology is different here, sir. Yeah, but my brother owns a ranch in Alabama. They don't have to deal with this. Sir, this is not Alabama. This is neighboring Tennessee. We're going to do it different. That could happen. So Supreme Court has met in October to hear oral arguments on a case. Um, the Sacketts are a family. I'll just, I just, I just give you the layout. I got a story here from CNN. CNN, Phil. Yes, I did. CNN. CNN's got a story about this very case in October. It says, in 2004, Chantel and Michael Sackett, listen to these details. This will blow your mind. Chantel and Michael Sackett purchased a vacant lot near Idaho's Priest Lake. By the way, this was already a developed area. Three years later, they broke ground, hoping to build their family home. But they soon got entangled in a regulatory dispute as they began backfilling the property with sand and gravel to create a stable grade. And you know, how, anybody who's ever built a house, you got you to gotta build the pad, all right? You, you can't just, just trust the ground. You got to build the pad, pack it, and get it all set for the foundation. At one point, it says the Sacketts were ordered to take actions. Oh, I'm sorry. They were given a cease and desist order by the EPA. And they're like, what? At one point, it says the Sacketts were ordered to take actions to restore the site. In other words, hey, you scrape all that away and put it back the way it was. They were told if they did not do so, they could be faced with penalties of up to $40,000 per day. Per day. Now, their property is bounded by roads to the north and south. But across the street, across the street, y'all, is a man-made ditch that drains about 35 acres of wetlands. And the permitting cost to do what the EPA was telling them they had to do would have cost thousands of dollars and take around two years to obtain. Like, just, just stop everything you're doing. Just, hey, don't build your dream house. I, we're sorry you bought the land. And oh, by the way, the Sackett stressed they had already obtained all their local building permits, and their site was bordered by developed properties and roads, and that nothing in their deed said that this was required. So they sued the EPA. Good for them. Well, they sued the EPA, and it is going all the way, yonder, all the way to the Supreme Court. And so the Supreme Court heard oral arguments. In those oral arguments, the lawyer for the Sacketts stressed that no stream, river, or lake, or similar water body is anywhere on their property. And that what we're seeing here is emblematic, he said, of all that has gone wrong with the implementation of the Clean Water Act. Biden administration does not care. They could care less. They don't care a thing about the average farmer. They don't care a thing about you and I, and, and whether or not you want to build your dream house. The Sacketts, by the way, are not a giant cattle ranch like something off the show Yellowstone. This is just a family that bought a lot, and they're trying to build a house in a, in a developed area. And because there was a man-made drainage uh, ditch across the street from their house, they were being required by the EPA's definitions, facing penalties of 40000 freaking dollars a day. To, to do things differently and, and basically run up their costs thousands and thousands. Now, by the way, when Charlene and I built our house, I dealt, I dealt with the Department of Public Health. They were the mafia as far as I was concerned. EPA, far more. I, I cannot even imagine. The very idea that you would step in there where there's no deed, there's no, there's no uh, rights and reservations and restrictions and easements, there's nothing. 
There's nothing on your property that says when you bought it, you know, your due diligence could not have possibly shown you were going to be facing this. And the EPA steps in and goes, oh, hey, cease and desist. Why? Well, but, you know, yeah, because you got a, you got a, well, there's a, there's a drainage ditch over there. So? Uh, we're going to charge you $40,000 a day. You don't get those $1,000 of permits and take two years to do it. You see the problem? See the problem for the average family farm? This has got to stop, y'all. This is the kind of thing that this is the kind of thing that happens in a swamp where bureaucrats don't care, and where elected officials have the authority to say green means more than people. And I, I'm a I'm a I'm a complete believer in being a good steward of where we are. And no one is saying let's just dump pollution into the streams. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is there's nothing about the Sackett's land or any pond or puddle or ravine on somebody's property that should be ever considered to be a navigable water protected by the EPA's Clean Water Act and allow them to come on your property and change the, the right that you have to what the law calls the use and enjoyment of your property. Forget that. This is, this is where government becomes bigger than it should ever have been. And the libertarian side of me says, go away. Literally. I mean, there's a, there's a, place, a time and a place for government. There are essential services that have to happen. There is road building. There is defense. There is the police. There is fire. There is, you know, basic governance. There are things that have to happen. And I get it. And I applaud that. And I'm glad that there are people who would do those things. When a government becomes so big, they can send somebody over to your property, tell you not to build your house because a man-made ditch across the street is somehow affected. I got news. We've gone a step too far and we're looking at the fall of Rome. All right, enough of that. That's it. Number two in the Triple Dipper. I'm coming back. Well, this was this was next one's going to be fun. It's not quite woke world. I call it trading blows in the woke wars. You're going to want to hear some of the stuff that I've got about how the woke is pushing and the conservatives are pushing back. I'll tell you more. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative, going to number three in the Triple Dipper. Before I do that, though, I got to just pause and tell you guys real quickly, my friends at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, so they have been tearing it up on this um, Camp Lejeune water contamination case. They got like five lawyers working that issue, and they're doing a great job. They've got several of our right side listeners as clients now because they heard about it on the show. Let me just tell you, if you if you were at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, as a service member, as a dependent, as a contractor there on TDY, permanent duty station, doesn't matter. If you were there anywhere between 1953 to 1987, you may well have been exposed to a known, confirmed water contamination that should have been addressed and wasn't, and it's caused up to like 19 different major illnesses. So you may want to call Riley and Jackson. I'll tell you how in just a minute. 
But they wanted me to let you guys know there's another thing they're working on right now that they said, you know what, your listeners might need to know this. If you were a firefighter or if you were in the military using firefighting foam, there's a version of firefighting foam that has now been determined to be carcinogenic. And that firefighting foam is now making some people eligible for claims for which they can be compensated. Again, Riley and Jackson's work in this issue. If you believe that may be you or someone you love that's now passed away because of cancer, you may want to have this checked out. So here's the deal. You can call them. They're an Alabama-based. They're, they're right there in Birmingham, but they work all over the state. But, but if, if you want to talk to them, they will have a real person talk to you, and they will not charge you for the phone call. I know these people personally, by the way. These are friends of mine, and, and they, we've worked on issues and cases together. And, and I like to say Riley and Jackson Law Firm is not just right on law. They're right on the politics, too, if you know what I mean. Here's their phone number. You ready? 205-879-5000. Doesn't matter where you are in the state. Give them a call. 205-879-5000. And please do me a favor. Tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. And here's that thing I got to do. You ready? <gasps> no representation made of the quality legal source before it was great. The quality legal source before the lawyers. Bam. Bam, just like that. That was a fast one. <laughs> I did that. I should have I I timed it, you but should've. I did not. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where it was like, did, did I ever have a time on that quicker than 2.7? It was like 2.7 or 2.6. Did I get a 6? Yeah, I think you got a 6, but it was like 2.678 or something. I don't know the air could come out of my lungs fast <laughs> enough to get more than that. Um, I just like My lips don't move that fast. I mean, I, I'm the guy in court that the court reporter is always looking at going, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams, would you please slow down? Oh, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Hey, uh, we're going to switch gears here. Going into um, number three of the Triple Dipper. Uh, there are some folks in the listening audience that would be proud of me to know that I got to number three of the Triple Dipper. Thank you, Boomer. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Trading blows in the woke wars. So sometimes I, I, I get this menage menagerie of, of stories uh, that, uh, that, that you know, you look at it and go, ah, it's a bunch of wokeness. Ah, and they're like isolated cases of wokeness. But sometimes I realize that what I've got is a woke issue and somebody's either smacking somebody or smacking somebody back. And so then it, it changes from being adventures in woke world to what I call trading blows in the woke wars. That's where we are today. Trading blows in the woke wars. I got a stack of stuff here, man. Some of the stuff's going to just, just make you laugh. Something's going to curl your hair. Here's one. Boomer, do you ever wear Crocs? I never wore Crocs. Never, ever? Ne- never, ever have I ever. No. They're, I mean, they were somewhat faddish, but... I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I guess some people thought they were faddish. <laughs> Why? What? Did you wear Crocs? Maybe. Well, you were Crocs. <laughs> we need to get had, a picture of this. I had the uh, cool man Crocs, though. I had the kind that had they the... They were le- cool yes. Crocs? Yes. <laughs> Wait. I don't think I appreciate you right now. The, uh, I have were, a lot of friends that wore Crocs. So they were the kind that had the leather uppers. They looked like duck boots, but they were they had Croc bottoms, you know, the Croc soles. Uh, yeah. I figured they were man Crocs. Okay. Those could be man Crocs. I didn't wear pink. I didn't wear any like pink spongy Crocs. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, you may want to know, though, the footwear company Crocs is sparking outrage right now, and they're, they're facing the potential for people to uh, drop the sale. And the headline of the article from townhall.com says, some people are burning their Crocs. Here's why. Uh, so, yeah, apparently just the other day, um, 
Crocs company decided to co-sponsor an upcoming RuPaul DragCon UK event being advertised as open to anyone under the age of 18. In other words, it's a drag uh, event for children. Hmm. Yeah. The show, which is also sponsored by the BBC, this is, in, this is in the United Kingdom right now, which will take place in London. It's a two-day It's a two day event from January 6th to January 8th. Um, Jeez, that's ridiculous. All right, RuPaul's DragCon celebrates the power of authentic self-expression, an idea that lives at the heart of our brand, said Crocs. And we stand with those who bravely... I hope there's some right-side ruffians out there going to the closet right now and getting their Crocs and slinging them out the dough. Slinging them out. I mean, okay, let me ask you this. Ask me. All right, so when these companies do something like this, that they want to support this action and... Or by this point, I guess it was a festival. Do they not realize that again? It's what point or not point one, but like one percent of the population. Population. Oh, I don't think they care. <laughs> but or, don't they realize that a lot of people are going to burn their crocs? Burn their crocs. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Doesn't that go through their heads? I don't know, Boomer. I mean, I, I look at this, I'm, I agree with you. I'm like, who's in the boardroom going, that's a great idea. Let's yeah. get that done. I mean, I mean, you've seen it in the past where, okay, we'll support them. Here you go. Here's some money. But not let's, let's broadcast it and let's lose all these other customers. I not mean, like that. Let's thinking? issue a statement that says this. We believe the personal expression <laughs> is an inherent choice. And recognizing what makes each one of us unique is part of our commitment to inclusivity everywhere. For the love of God. Oh. It even has, by the way, a kid's fashion show. Oh. All right. I don't have those Crocs anymore, by the way. (laughs) No more Crocs. No. I got rid of them. And uh, if I hadn't gotten rid of them by now, I'd get rid of them now. All right. That's the kind of thing I've got is people lashing out right now at companies. But I've got other stuff like, what did MIT, you heard me, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, what did they come out and say about, oh, I don't know, freedom of speech on campus? Or how about this? The vaccine mandate has been repealed. Does it apply to the National Guard and Reserves? You might want to know. Or how about this? Kurt Cameron, uh, famous actor and, uh, and, and openly you know, a, a positive Christian, he got banned from doing his, uh, uh, his, his, his new children's book uh, at public libraries, several of them. Uh, what happened, though, when fun, one of them finally recanted due to public pressure that said, we want Kurt Cameron? What happened when that went down. How about this? What did our 11th Circuit, which is right here for Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, what did the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals do about a Florida high school transgender bathroom ban? I got stuff. I got stuff, man. You're going to want to hear this. Trading blows in the woke wars. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right.
back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right covering down on some ground across the great state of alabama i'm talking about this show goes way down south of birmingham way up north of huntsville tuscaloosa back over to gaston parts of georgia tennessee mississippi thrown in just for good measure so uh i I will tell you this uh glenn from bluntsville uh, says that's why he got the cheap knockoffs from Dollar General for his Crocs. He didn't get Crocs. He got the cheap <laughs> knockoffs from Dollar General. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you want to, if, if if you can't find a Dollar General, you, you ain't you ain't around. There's, I mean, there's, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're, they're like they're like a rash, man. There's just like a rash of these things everywhere. Um, all right, I am in uh, number two, number three. Excuse me, of the triple dipper. Uh, by the way, the house just adjourned. So I, I was wrong. I predicted four votes today. The House has adjourned for the day. They're, they've recessed is probably the more appropriate term uh, because they're technically still in. They, if when they, they adjourn when they're done. So they, they recessed. Um, and uh, I, I could see right now Jonah Goldberg, uh, who I believe is a never-Trumper, is on CNN right now, waving his hands in the air. <laughs> he's, he's probably... He's probably hating this. Yeah, that guy. He's hating this. He's a. He's a. I think he's a never Trump Republican, if I recall. I'm not. I, I could be wrong. If I spoke out of turn, I apologize. Um, but he's on CNN, so that tells me he probably is. Uh, hey, so here's the thing. I am in number three of the Triple Dipper, trading blows in the woke wars. And before I jump into it, I got to tell you guys about ZLA Solutions. They've been with us since the very beginning. All right, ZLA Solutions, they do a lot of business in solutions. They can help you out with your logistics, your warehousing, your you know various aspects of, of what it takes to run your business, quality control, sorting and containment, but their bread and butter, man, is literally staffing. Temp or direct hire does not matter. They can help you, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it doesn't matter. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing, if you want it, doesn't matter. They can put you a staff together or find you the onesies and twosies with special skills that you need. I'm not talking an entire shift of people or just a few. ZLA Solutions. Check them out. They are doing amazing things right now. If you want a job by yourself, just look on their website. they got great jobs posted all over North Alabama. But if you're an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, yes, they can definitely help you with that. ZLA Solutions. They like to say it's ZLA. They don't make it. They just make it better. And they do. That's their mission in life, to make your business better. So give them a call. Check them out. You can find their website, ZLAUSA.com. And tell them you heard about it here on Right Side Radio. It would mean a lot. Okay. Um, listen, what, what you got, Just about? Just look at some of these texts. They're cracking me up. Which one are you looking at right oh, now? Oh, uh, there's there's all kinds of them. Uh, my, my favorite right now was the one from, well, it was a Tony one. It was a Jeff. And it had bears. And then is that a is right that, side cartoon or a far side cartoon? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right and is side that, cartoon. Oh God, he's wearing Crocs, and he, the bear is actually wearing crocodiles. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, crazy. Um, who can, who sent us that one? Do you know? Oh, Tony from Piedmont. Tony from Piedmont. Yeah, absolutely. But man, uh, they're, they're going all about these Crocs right now. Uh, yeah, is. Mark from Owens Crossroads. He says, "Hey Phil, I had the same man style Crocs as you. Leather uppers and such, still in my closet." He says, "I'll be burning them next time I stoke up the fire pit." <laughs> <laughs> Jay from Hartsell said, "Drag queens, Crocs, and kids." Whatever could go wrong. <laughs> world has gone mad. The world has gone mad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Man. Uh, and then John from Huntsville says, Phil, in woke world, you're only allowed to wear Crocs with rainbows on them. 
That's right. They don't yeah, have yeah. the they don't have the leather uppers. They don't uh, have the cool ones. That's right. The man ones. The man ones. Man Crocs. <laughs> hey, uh, story I've got here. MIT. This is interesting. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology has endorsed students having the opportunity for free speech. Well, bless their hearts. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad. So here's MIT, not known for being a uh, bastion of conservatism, but MIT issued recently an official free expression statement. And I'll give you a few quotes from it. Uh, one of them says, free expression is a necessary, though not sufficient, condition of a diverse and inclusive community. We cannot have a truly free community of expression if some perspectives cannot be heard and others can. Learning from a diversity of viewpoints and from the deliberation, debate, and dissent that accompany them are essential ingredients of academic excellence. That's a great point. It's like me saying earlier, I'm enjoying seeing the debate on the House floor. Well, the same is true in colleges. If you cannot explore options, if you can't hear different perspectives, then you come out in the world having lived in a bubble. And they go on to say, a commitment to free expression includes hearing and hosting speakers, including those whose views or opinions may not be shared by many members of the MIT community. And, and anyway, the interesting piece is that they had to issue this at all. You know, that's the cry and shame. The fact that they had to issue this statement at all tells you, but, but I'm so glad they did. I mean, this to me is trading blows in the woke wars. This is them looking at the situation and going, you know, we're, we're supposed to be a thinking group of people, right? Here's the, here's the rub, though. The news is not wholly encouraging, says the article that I got here from uh, Red State. They say that literally this went before a faculty senate, and the faculty passed it 98 to 52. That means that literally about one-third of the faculty disagreed with the idea of allowing free speech on campus. That is a problem. Um, but... Nonetheless, sanity prevailed, liberty prevailed. MIT, you are free to debate. Um, here's the next thing I got. So what we're looking at right now, when they ever get a speaker of the House, um, we're looking at an uh, article here on USA Today, dated today. Headline, Culture Wars. House Republicans attack the Defense Department for woke social policies. Now, of course, it's USA Today, so... They don't entirely agree with this position, but at least they're reporting on it. it. says, House Republicans plan to open a new front in the culture wars, attacking the Pentagon for its woke social policies. GOP leaders have won an early skirmish regarding pulling the vaccine mandate, which I'll talk about more in a minute. It says, GOP members of the military oversight committees in Congress are signaling they'll target the Pentagon over racial curriculum at military academies, efforts to root out extremists from the ranks, and funding for abortions. I mean, they make it sound like, they don't want them to try and root out extremism. No. Quit wasting time trying to prove that we're systemically racist when we're not. How about that? That's what's happening. This is a 2022 survey conducted by the nonprofit Reagan Foundation found 50% of respondents felt that woke practices undermine military effectiveness. I wonder what the other 50% was thinking. Um, now, the, the Pentagon has already said, well, this is just Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is focused on priorities like, you know, deterring strategic attacks. I get it. I hope he is. He can also stop with the woke policies because there's a new sheriff in town. Um, Representative Matt Waltz, or Michael Waltz, excuse me, member of the Armed Services Committee, said he had received complaints from the family of a cadet at West Point who were incensed by a course titled Understanding Your Whiteness and White Rage. Um, 
He called that course incredibly divisive, said it had no place in the military. That's the kind of thing that we want to see done with. Stop it. Stop the madness. I'm glad to see that we've got a House Armed Services Committee, which, by the way, is going to be chaired by Mike Rogers from Alabama, uh, taking a stand. But here's a piece where apparently there's a bit of a smack back from the other side. Trading blows in the woke wars. So we just won the battle to have the vaccine mandate repealed. Daily Caller reports this as of yesterday. Headline, Army guidance says the vaccine mandate repeal does not apply to the National Guard and Reserves. What? I got news. My time in the Guard and Reserves, I had a uniform on and all it said was U.S. Army. Now, I might have been in a Title 32 status for the National Guard and not Title 10 active duty until I was activated for that part. But I got news. This is wrong. We, we, we are so far beyond the days when the Guard and Reserve is considered like a stepchild in the military. Those, that's, that's, your, that's your papa's National Guard, all right? That's back when you had the antiquated equipment and the uniforms that didn't match and you couldn't get new boots. That's old. That's gone. That's, that's, that's history. We're a, we're a tier one force with the National Guard included. Well, the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act ordered the Department of Defense, according to the Daily Caller, to rescind the August 24th, 2021 memo regarding COVID vaccine for all military. All right. However, you ready for some gobbledygook? Those of you who speak military, you're going to appreciate this. (laughs) Official document from the Department of Defense. The FY 2023 NDAA does not address Secretary of Defense's directive regarding COVID-19 vaccination for members of the National Guard and Ready Reserve, Annex Quadruple A. According to Frago 35, an update to HQDA XOR 225-21, which describes the COVID-19 policy, commands will continue to adhere to Annex Quadruple A and to paragraphs 3D21 through 3D23, unless and until Annex Quadruple A is superseded or rescinded by the SecDef. Annex Quadruple A refers to SecDef Austin's memo addressing continued resistance by the National Guard to comply with the vaccine mandates. All right, that's, that's, this is jackassery right here. <laughs> Boomer's laughing. This is the height of jackassery. This is like saying, okay, I'm sorry. I know Congress said it, but until I have decided to write another freaking memo and put my name on it. Uh, yeah, just part of the military is going to wind up uh, having the vaccine mandate lifted. I don't care what Annex Quadruple A and accordingly uh, paragraphs 3D21 through 3D23 say. You were ordered by Congress, Secretary Austin, to rescind the vaccine mandate. And the very idea that they're going to issue policy guidance and tell all commands to continue adhering to the vaccine mandate is just jackassery. And it's, it's literally the exact opposite of what's supposed to be happening. Ugh. Did, you, did you feel the angst, Boomer? Oh, I felt it. Uh, I'm just boring holes right now through the paper. Uh, absolutely. Bo- boring holes. Okay. <sighs> Gather myself. Before I go to the break, let me give you a good news story. <laughs> I love this. So, Kirk Cameron, um, you know, Cameron, uh, Kirk Cameron is the uh, actor uh, who became famous, uh, I guess, back in what, the 90s? 
Um, and he's a he's an he's openly an evangelical Christian, like loves the Lord, makes no bones about it. And you know, I bet he's been he's been to some degree uh, blacklisted in Hollywood because of it. Well, he he also does all he can do to promote uh, his faith, and to do so in a in a, I would consider to be a fair and even handed manner. He wrote a he wrote a series of children's books, um, and his publisher and his publisher is a company called Brave Books. They were lining up book readings for him in public libraries. And they had a, several of them that rebuffed him, the article says, from Fox News, because it just did not align with their priorities because they were openly you know, supportive of the LGBT communities, and that was not going to be something that they were going to do in their library. Have a Christian come read a book. You know, a Christian reading a book is just dangerous. Drag queen story time, good to go. And they, that, that's true. They were having drag queen story times, but they wouldn't let Christian Kirk Cameron come read his book. Well, um, according to Kirk Cameron, he says, a brush fire of faith, family, and freedom ignited inside the Indianapolis Public Library. Uh, and it's moving across America. And it's awaking the sleeping giant of the family of faith, he says. And, and literally, Fox is reporting that when Cameron finally got approval from the Indianapolis Public Library, when they recanted their position and said, all right, Kirk Cameron, you can do your little, little, little Christian story time, they had 2,500 people show up. 2,500. I mean, we're talking about Drag Queen Story Hour has like, you know, 19. And they didn't want Kirk Cameron because it might bring the wrong kind of attention. I got news. Indianapolis Public Library hasn't had that much attention. Who knows when? 2,500 people showed up a couple of days ago to hear Kirk Cameron read his new book about biblical wisdom from a children's perspective called As You Grow. And uh, that's just cool. That is just just cool. Boomer, take us to the last break of the day, bro. We'll do that. We'll come right back, and we'll wrap up the day. I'm telling you, it's been a full show. We'll keep an eye on things in the House, but I imagine we'll be talking about it again tomorrow because it appears the House has adjourned. In the meantime, we'll be right back for one final segment. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, before I forget, too, I got to tell you guys, I mean, all right, it's unnaturally warm out there, all right? It's weird. It's like, this is January, right? However, the cool weather is coming back. By the end of the week, we're going to be a high in the low 50s, which is brisk. But it's just the right kind of weather when you think about, Mm, I don't know, stopping by Just Love Coffee Cafe and getting you a hot cappuccino. But you know what? You don't really need that. You can do that all year long. So you can do that in the summertime. All I'm saying is this. Just Love Coffee Cafe is worth a stop. They've got like an amazing atmosphere, both locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And they're designed for you to be able to enjoy the environment, hang out, visit with friends, pick up some great food because their menu is unbelievable. 
And then at the same time, they are Just Love Coffee Cafe. So, yeah, they've got award-winning coffees, cappuccinos, lattes, espressos, all of it. Um, so check them out. Two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other is South Parkway in Huntsville. A um, couple of last stories to wrap up this trading blows in the woke wars. So here's one that I enjoy. Our own 1819 News right here in Alabama reports the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upholds Florida's high school transgender bathroom ban. Yay. The idea that we're having to do this anyway is still ridiculous to me. But you know what? It says in a 7-4 decision last week, the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that St. John's County, Florida School Board did not discriminate against transgender students, nor did it violate federal civil rights laws with a policy that simply required transgender students to use bathrooms matching their biological sex or a gender-neutral bathroom. Again, why are we having to do this? What were those four people thinking? (laughs) (laughs) The one, like, come on, come on, man. That's that's what I'm thinking right now. I I agree. You're you're spot on. But what were they thinking? I don't know. But the bottom line is this. We should not have dudes in the girls' room. Amen. Just saying. But the school system down in St. John's County, Florida, that had decided, we're not doing this. We're not doing it. They got sued. And the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld their position. And so, yeah, they don't have to suddenly have dudes in the girls' room uh, down in St. John's County. Good for you, 11th. By the way, if you're not yes. familiar, Lawyer Phil Hill talking, uh, if you are in federal court and you have to appeal something in either Georgia, Alabama, or Florida, it goes to the 11th Circuit. That's ours. So you can imagine that if any case came up in Alabama that was similar and it went to the 11th Circuit, the ruling would be consistent um, uh, if, if the facts and circumstances and the law required uh, uh, that same kind of review. The 11th Circuit has now spoken. So that that is technically a precedent that can be used. If you have a lower court case right now here in Alabama that deals with whether or not to allow transgender use of bathrooms and the facts and circumstances and the law tend to sort of line up, you can cite that case because it is now precedent within the 11th Circuit unless it ever gets overturned by the Supreme Court. So that's, uh, that's good doings. Um, last one I've got, Boomer. You and I were talking. Oh, yes. Working out. Oh, yes. I mean, you're a big workout guy. I am. Racist. <laughs> I'm a racist for working out. Did you not know that? I did not know this. The New York Post reports that the that Time Magazine has announced and is getting roasted for it. Time Magazine has announced that exercise has racist origins. <laughs> really? <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> Time Magazine has announced, according to the New York Post, dated a couple of days ago, Time Magazine is getting mercilessly mocked over an article about the white supremacist origins of exercise that claims that racism was the motivator for the fitness movement. The magazine ran the eye-catching headline Wednesday, last Wednesday, right for the holidays, based on a chat with author Natalia Melman Petrolza, the associate professor of history at New York's The New School. By the way, New York's The New School, which is what it's called, The New School, is the same place where the students are now demanding that everyone be given A's so that equity will prevail. Same school. Same school. And they got professors that say things like the white supremacist origins of exercise, and she got published in Time magazine. Wow. I am... Just boggles the mind. 
Oh, Time boggler. Turn the music up and work me out of here as I try to catch my breath from trading blows in the woke wars. Listen, been a great show, you guys. Y'all have an amazing night. Plenty more to come. We'll be talking about the Speaker of the House probably again tomorrow. Y'all come back to us. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. We'll see you then. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right